What's up, fam? Welcome back to another interview on That's the Angle. And before I get into this episode, I just want to say thank you. I love your love in all your listens and plays and YouTube plays and all that. And in saying that, you can watch this exact interview on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Bruce Allen. I am Bruce Allen. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. What's up? But anyways, guys, um, in this interview, I am sitting down with Amir. And Amir is a local DC resident who has been putting on uh, for artists, creatives, uh, musicians, and just giving them a platform by using his platform. And he has just been killing it lately, getting covered in the Washington Post, getting picked up by local blogs. And here we are with me hitting him with an interview, but it's all for the same cause. And that cause is um, his cause of helping artists and just the growth of the creative community in Washington, D.C., and it's just a really great interview. I think you're going to love his story about how he arrived at this place. Uh, you're going to love his insight to the city. And just in general, you don't have to be from D.C. to appreciate any of these interviews. So, guys, enjoy. Thank you. Yeah, it can get pretty pretty rowdy out there. <laughs> right. God like dang, this, this looks great. Thank this you, man. This whole studio this is nice. It's like very cool. Yeah, you, you said you said currency came and bought a bunch of these things. Yeah, the, well, the Jet Life Jet Life crew, mm. Jet Life crew. Um, uh, shout out to them um, and the artists that people can see partially in the background is uh, Marley McFly. Uh, definitely check him out. He's doing an exhibition here now, running until uh, April twelfth, and um, it's called Saturday Nostalgia. Yeah, it's super cool. It's like a lot of old school cartoons slightly before when I was born, but, but overall super dope. Yeah, nah, totally, totally. I kind of uh, forget some of the names, but you guys can't see it anyway, so we probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> when was that? You had the exhibition last weekend? Uh, it was on the 29th of March, and it's going until April 12th, so we're having a closing night as well with some of his limited edition um, uh, cereal boxes with his clothing in there and also some of his capsule uh, pieces that are uh, inspired by this uh, mm. collection that were done by um, a gentleman named Raw. Um, uh, that's his Instagram name as well, so people can check out. Oh, I know so, Raw. Yeah, yeah, super creative guy. So he did the capsule collection. Oh, the yeah, I've worked with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he does good really, stuff. But, really cool guy. But it's... it's, it's uh, it's really cool that you do that because I mean that's like half the reason why I was like, dude, I gotta talk to Mir. Oh, like, I gotta talk to Mir about what he's doing over there at home DC because did you do some cool shit out of here? Thank like, you, man. I appreciate it. How many people have a studio so they can host other artists? Not that many, man. I, a lot of them don't think of it as you know because a lot of artists are more in a traditional sense where mm -hmm. they're you know either photographers or print artists or jewelry makers or whatever type of discipline it is. But since I don't have a true discipline as far as in the arts, yes, I, I'm a creative and I, you know, uh, have loved fashion and appreciated and have studied and things of that nature. Um, I've never just dabbled in just thinking about fashion all day. I, I mm. like to explore my mind with everything from yeah. botanical uh, things to freaking um uh, art to, so so like your inspiration it it's like centered in fashion but it's not just that no it, it's definitely it's just seeing all these really cool creatives out here and in the world but since i'm in dc and was raised here definitely in dc to see that there 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 was there's so many that are just um looking and looking for a platform to mm. express themselves and 
here, yes, there are institutions uh, in a more traditional sense, and there are galleries, but a lot of the galleries already want you to be established here. That's the problem. Is like I feel like the gallery status and situation is kind of old school. It's kind of like what the television is to our generation now. Mm. It's like, you know, it's it's changing in like what you're doing, the, the, the street sort of, it's not the, I don't want to say street gallery, but it's like a DIY gallery, but it's cool that, you know, you recognize that you're an artist, but, and you're able to bring in other people and give them a platform just off of what you've been building. Is that, is that what home DC started as? Like what was the whole inspiration with that? I mean, the, the, the whole inspiration was, uh, and I'll go back a little bit. I think we got a little bit of time here, right? Dude, we got plenty of time. <laughs> Actually, let me let me check. Yeah, man, we got we got time, dude. Okay, please, so, man, hit me with it. So when I was about seventeen years old, you know, this was in the, like the late nineties with the mafioso style rapping with the Biggies and the Jay Zs and everybody yeah. talking about Versace this and Moschino that and Gucci this and that. Um, I didn't even know what it was. And one day, uh, me and my friend, one of my closest best friends, we were walking through Pentagon City, and this guy had this, like, Versace leather uh, coat on, all black leather coat with a Medusa head on the back. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, what the, what the heck is that? And he was like, oh, that's Versace, man. The guy looked like he had some money. He was a young guy, probably two or three years older than me, but he had, like, young guy. He looked fly. He looked fly, had, like, a nice-looking girl. It was like, oh, man, wow, that's how this is done. And ever since then, I just started to do like research on it. And I was like, wow, t shirt is 150 bucks. And this is that. For a Versace t shirt? Yeah. At that, at that yeah. time, I was like, yeah. man, that's a lot of money. It was hot too then. Yeah. And I ended up getting like a DCU summer job and I spent some money on it. And I noticed that the quality was pretty sweet. And I just pretty much engulfed myself in the fashion where I started buying uh, the magazine that inspired OWN. Was, it's called Arena OWN Magazine. It's a mm. biannual magazine that used to cost like 25 bucks to get. And I would spend my lunch money. In the 90s, that's a lot of money for yeah, a magazine. For a kid who's, who's 17 years old, that's a lot of money. Yeah, when I was 17, I was, that, was a, that was a freaking dime bag for me, dude. That, I, was, I was not thinking about buying... <laughs> I was not thinking about buying a fashion magazine. That's crazy. Yeah, so um, me and him had a, had a conversation. And this had to be when I was like 19, 20, 21, 22, around that time. I was like, man, mm-hmm. when I when I get older, my thirties, I'm gonna put a, a a luxury boutique in Anacostia. Damn, He's like, yo, you're crazy. I was like, nah, man, it'd be tight. It had the sickest of clothing right in Anacostia. It'd be dope. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, that'd be crazy. This is a time when Anacostia didn't have a great reputation, but I already knew Anacostia got a bad rep just because it's south of the south of the uh, you know south of the capital and just. A lot of politics involved with yeah. with that, so yeah. I never saw it as a place that was like, "Oh my God, you gotta watch out!" Yeah, you got. It was more so like, "No, this place is dope right here." Didn't mm-hmm. know where I was gonna put it, but I knew I was gonna put it there. Long story short, I did some time in uh, corporate America. Work, what, what were you doing? Work for various. Is that the door? Mm-mm. Work for various. Uh, work for various companies. Uh, work for Verizon. Uh, customer service, doing things of that nature. Nice. Like, how was that? It was, it was. I was making really good money at 21 years old, yo. Oh, I at was, 21? Shit, I yeah. I was making a That's ton not of bad. Money. Um, and then I went to the Washington Post, was doing um, real estate uh, ads. Nice. So this is where real estate was popping. I got there when I was like 24, 25. All the classifieds. Yes, I started off in classified. I worked my way all the way up to the real estate section. Damn. <laughs> what the hell was that in the background? It sounded like some animal noises. Yeah. That's a, that's a permanent installation by Adam... Adam Hughes. 
All right, you guys can see a little bit of that TV in the background. It's just like you're going through the woods, and I'm legit hearing birds and animal noises while we're talking. <laughs> and then after that, um, did some other odd jobs here, and I and I mm-hmm. and I worked for Pepco doing an energy order. And after I got laid off from Pepco as an energy order, I was like, I said, I sat in my um, in my house one day, and um, I went in the back, and I said, "What are the two things that I love the most?" You came to that point in your life. I came to that point. I, I, I think that happens to a lot of people in their 20s, man. Mm-hmm. Like you you make a good amount of money. You're doing great. Then then some event happens, whether it's getting laid off or someone dying or mm-hmm. your life flips on its head and you kind of have this moment where you're just like, what do I really care yeah. about? What What is that I really care about? And I came to the conclusion it was fashion and soccer. <laughs> Those are it. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, well, how the hell can I put those two things together? You did just say you have a DC United uh, season pass. I have DC season pass. Makes sense. You're definitely welcome to go to a game, Anthony. Definitely welcome to go to a game. <laughs> hey, I, I will take you up on please, that one day. Please, please. I, I definitely, definitely. We'll, we'll make it a date night. You know what I'm saying? What? <laughs> you, you better hit me with a pause or a no homo after that one. What the hey, it doesn't roll with going on a guy date, man. Look, as, as long as I'm Big Spoon, we're good, dude. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So uh, um, I was like, how can I put these two together? And I started, this, you know, when you get online, you start going through like a rabbit's hole. Oh, God, yeah. So I came yeah, across yeah. this brand called FC Bristol. Uh, it's a fake soccer team. It's a fake soccer team that's, that, that's out of Japan. That's, that's a Nike um, brand. Like, they do these sick, sick collaborations. They pieces costing three, four hundred dollars for a jersey and these. Just, it's amazing. It's, so it's, it's a fake soccer team fake that, soccer that they team. create fashion products around. Yes, like fake jerseys. What? Like everything. Yes, it is called FC Bristol. Brist, Bristol. It's amazing. But there is a real Bristol in England, but it's not that, though. You know what I mean? So I was looking, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a fake soccer team. I was like, damn, what can that, the name that's be? That's genius. Yeah, I was like, damn, but what can the name be? I was like, hmm. I said, I said, well, when was soccer invented? And, it, and, it, and I looked it up. And it said 1863. I said, that's it. That's going to be the name of my team. 1863 FC. <laughs> that's going to be the name of the team. And I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it so that I'm, se- I'm making men's essential sportswear. So uh, uh, a sweatshirt, a hoodie, you know, the, the little pieces like that that are essential to men. So I had this one piece that stood out. Um, I had two pieces that stood out among everything. It was this... Uh, gray sweatshirt mm-hmm. um, that I put together where I uh, had it, it was a goalkeeper's jersey. Ah. And the goalkeeper's jersey, you know, the goalkeeper's jersey always, always got to be different. It's so always the funky one. It was funky because I put a real snakeskin as patches. Damn. They were black. Black patches. Damn. And then I had this other coat where it turned into a book bag. That's pretty cool. It was really dope. And um, long story short, I ran out of money. <laughs> All the pieces stayed in the house. They were just sitting there. And I went to go back to work again, you know, still working, trying to figure it out. And I ended up getting a job with Neiman Marcus, starting in, like, pretty much stock room, logistics, doing things of that nature. Yeah. And I had to be there, like, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. This is 2013. I, I got the job as a, as a winter job, you know, a seasonal job. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm there every day for anybody else's in Neiman Markets, you know, just... Stocking up stuff and going around the store and just seeing, I'm like, wow, I'm in my zone. This is really sweet. 
You actually enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it because I knew that this was going to be a step that I could either say, you know what, I'm going to work for Neiman Marcus and move up because I love the company. Still do. I'm, I'm going to move up and I, I could really go far in this because people really were, they, they were really nice people. Yeah. And um, I would walk around the store every day and, um, you know, just taking it all in. And one day, um, Coming, coming, coming back. I was. It was me, my daughter, and, my, and uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time. We were coming back from um, taking my daughter to uh, a Martin Luther King um, spe- speech on WPGC that she had to recite some of his lines on 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 air. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool. So we we're coming back from that, going down Anacostia, and my ex-girlfriend was like, "Have you heard of the Anacostia Art Center?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "She told my father, like, just pull over right there." I was like, "Oh my." God, really? Like, I just want to go home to sleep, like, for real. And so we get in there, and it's, like, really small. So if you've ever been to Anacostia, of course you've been there, right? Yeah. I- so so you walk in, you got the little boutiques on the side, or stores, that is. And I looked, and it was, like, all of them were pretty. It was two that were full, and the rest were kind of empty. And I looked, and I was like, this is really dope. I was like, high ceilings, hardwood floor. Like, wow, this is kind of sweet. Yeah. And on the way out, I grabbed a piece of paper to see how much the rent was. And I looked at the price, and I was like... I looked at it, I was like, this is, it was expensive. I was like, I think I could swing this here. I had no money at this time. Like, <laughs> for real, like zero. I'm like, I think I could swing this. Yeah, I think I could pull like, this like, off. Like, like getting a little studio space there? Yeah, I was like, I think I could pull this off. So anyway, I was like, I'm going to go for it. And um, I wrote a thing telling them what my concept was and everything. And they were like, really cool, da 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 And I got the space on my 35th birthday. Nice. So, mm-hmm. Long story short. I still didn't have any money. I'm like, how the hell am I going to get clothes? Yeah. What was the whole mission behind getting that studio? Just telling them what you wanted to do and um, them wanting some men influence in that, in that area. And they thought I was the right person, which I was the right person to bring, bring over there. Nice. Um, and um, so still no money and I'm busy calling up. Uh, different vendors, different designers from all over the world. So, what, wait, what was your vision for that studio there? It was to, it was to pretty much um, sell men's luxury boutique. Okay, so you're still trying to sell men's fa- or fashion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just strictly all fashion. You know, I'm just trying to bring you the highest pieces. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling up all these different uh, vendors, emailing. And by the way, I also started my business off my iPhone. <laughs> you don't need much more than that. Yeah, these days, that's man. right. So everything I was doing, I was sending, sending emails and everything and they telling them the concept and they really liked it and some of them were like yo you don't even need a minimum you could buy one or two pieces from us you can you know and some some were like yo you need a minimum you need to buy ten thousand dollars worth of stuff like, True. Oh, no so i went to the concept of buying you know those one or those one or two um those one or two pieces from these different vendors and it turned out really well and i was still getting pieces from local designers also a couple because i didn't nice. know anybody in the Art world, creative scene, nothing. You were just like really trying to make it happen out of mm-hmm. the studio space. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened? Like, you got a, a couple pieces. You finally have it all together. Then what happens? Like, the people just start coming. Like, what's the whole deal? Still, I, I was like, after the first one, like, this is not going to bring people in here. And what happened after that? I, I found this guy named Carter Daly. He's over at Eastern Market. He makes industrial furniture. Really sick stuff. Yeah. Um, I saw, I saw him randomly. Over at Eastern Market, I was like, man, I asked him how much. I had a little bit of money to buy furniture with. Not a lot. These, these two chairs that we're sitting in, those were the only two chairs that I had in my space. 
There's some history on these chairs. Yeah. These nice chairs. So, um, so anyway, me and Carter started talking. I was like, "Yo, I have a space over Anacazi. I don't have any furniture. You know, whatever." He's like, "Hey, dude. Well, how about I let you use it? For, you could buy one. You could buy a couple pieces from me, but the rest I'll let you use, and it could be considered my showroom. It could be considered not his show, but whatever you sell. You know, what I'm saying we'll break bread together." Yeah. So um, I was like, "Bet I got some furniture now, right?" I was like, "Okay, you got furniture, and you could probably sell it and make right. a little bit of money." So now, so now I got two things I could sell. Now I got clothing, and I have furniture. Oh, I see, and that's where the fl- okay. Keep going. Okay. So, so right, so then after I got that, I was like, "Damn, this still is not going to bring people in here." Yeah, I don't know how many sofas bring someone in. Right, and over and over in Anacostia this time, anywhere for that matter, unless you're like on freaking Wisconsin Avenue or, or Georgetown in a in a in a um, in a place where uh, you know, that's known, known, you know, um, after that, I ran into this, uh, young lady named Martina. She's now, I believe in LA. She does curation, um, for LA. Uh, I don't know what gallery, but she's probably pretty big right now. Shout out Martina. Uh, Shout out Martina. Uh, 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 but, um, she came to me, she's like, Oh, so have you thought about having art in here? And I'm like, Yes, but I don't know any artists. How's that gonna happen? She's like, I'm gonna do. Can, is it okay if I do like a art show in here? Like I can curate the whole thing for you. And I was like, sure. Shit. So I had the first show. People started coming in, and then after that, more artists started to want to have shows there oh. because I realized that, that 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 space is real estate. And then I was like, you know what? Once the artists started to come, they started to trust me because. Like you, like our conversation off the air earlier was like, you know, it's almost like a D, DIY yeah. uh, gallery. It, it breaks the rules, uh, you know, in a sense where you don't have to know that person. You don't have to know this person. You don't have to do all these different things to get in, but you still have to be professional. You still have to match my brain, you know what I mean? Yeah. So these artists started to come in and they really started to like, you know, really like, like what the message was and what I was doing. And did you find that that was translating to fashion sales as well? It was. When oh, I would, that's slick. When I would have the shows, guess what, guess what would happen? People would come, they would see the art, they would see the fashion, and they'd buy something, and they end up supporting. But what really, was, really got me was when I started to have photographers come. When the photographers would come, they would take pictures of me in the space. Mm. And that would bring more people in and people start to follow me online, uh, uh, social media and all that type of stuff. And that's what kind of really pushed it was the photographers taking pictures in the space. Oh, and then other people would see it. Then another artist might see it and be like, yo, who's this? Let me DM him or whatever. Let me get in there. Yes. And it started to happen. And then um, it started to really kind of like have like a cult-like following. Yeah. And um, uh. It just became really, really cool when people started to really gravitate towards a lot. I couldn't stay at the Anacostia Art Center because the mission in which I was having was getting a little bit too big for over there as far as what it was I was really trying to do. And mm-hmm. I needed to have a little bit more freedom because that space is considered an um, a incubator space. Mm. So there are certain rules. That's what anybody yeah, else you, you have to follow. be within their guide set for like your mission or whatever it is. Yeah. And just like certain rules about being open certain times and you know, it, you had to be open at two o'clock, or you had to be open till two to eight on Monday through. Like just, just, just real. And your and your thing evolved past that, I guess. Like it was, it was so much different than I think than it originally started off as. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it became like they were like like this last show that I had. There was like these kids. I forgot this guy's name. Uh, what was that guy's name? He had a show in my space, 
Oh man, um, he was at the same time as that Skepta song. But anyways, this real cool kid. And they brought like, it had to be like 50, 60 people to this one event. That's a good amount of people. And it went, and it went crazy. They were like, Amir, um, you know what? I don't know if this is the right space for you. Oh, shit. You know, and it was, but it was all positive things that I was doing in there. It was like nothing. People were really starting to really feel what was going on. Um, um, uh, Panda, uh, Amanda Pandahead uh, from A Creative. Okay. DC came out there. Oh, nice. A lot of people were really messing with it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that definitely had some steam. It was going mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, A Creative was killing it, right? Um, but so then I was like, you know what? It's time for me to move. I moved in December of January 15th. I was like, I could find another retail space, which is not easy in DC and it's very expensive. <laughs> so a friend of mine named Charles John Pierre was already in this building. He was on the, he had a space right here, but then he moved upstairs. He was like, uh, we checked out a couple other spaces but, that we were going to do. But then one morning he was like, Amir, get up. You know, I have a space for you uh, here at O Street. And I met with the owner of this building, which name is Marty Eumas. I met him. He's cool. Yeah, he he, he was he took me upstairs like, yo, this space was the same amount I was spending in Anacostia. It was like a live workspace, super dope, like high ceilings, everything. Yeah, these built these studios in here are crazy. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I could I did that thing, I could swing it again, but I was like, no, I don't want to have that extra pressure of paying all this money in 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 rent and starting over again. I got to buy new furniture. I got to do a whole mm. lot of different things. So he showed me that space and. As we're leaving, walking down the stairs, he's like, I got one more little space for, well, well, well I asked him, like, you got any more space? He's like, I got one person moving out in March. I was like, well, can I see the space? So he opens up the door, he brings me in. I was like, I'll take it. He's like, well, you have it? I said, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that you went, you went smaller for the space as opposed to bigger. Yeah. Do you regret that at all if, the, if it wasn't monetary? Um, no, because I, my, my vision and dream was always to have a boutique. Mm. You know, it was always to have like those, you know, you've been, you've been around the country, around the world, and you've seen these different places in, from LA to New York to, you know, Austin, all these kind of cool Paris, all these cool little boutiques that are real boutiques, like a real boutique where you, where it's a destination. The boutique itself, it kind of feels like it has to be smaller. It has to be if, smaller. If it's a giant studio space, you're kind of like, this is a studio. <laughs> like, this is a, a retail Yeah, space. this is a retail space. <laughs> I see. A retail space. I see. So um, I came. I got this. Uh, I got this space. And how many years ago was this? When you got three you? years? Oh wow! Again, I got this space on my birthday. Nice. <laughs> Which is weird. You were on cloud ten that yeah, day. Yeah, That's I, sick. yeah. And um, and I was feeling really, really good. And I had to set it, set it all up again. So for an entire year, um, I really didn't do anything with the space. I, me and my boys are kind of coming here. We'll drink and. Have a good time. Just kind of vibe out. Yeah. You know, um, Anthony can attest to that. We would do all these different things. The floor was like a nasty greenish blue and mm. everything. None of this was done. So I put up everything in here. Like, you know, um, from the lights you see with your hand-blown neon glass, um, which is done by, art, which is done yeah, by an artist named uh, Anna Bradbury to, you know, um, um, with um, some... Interior design help from my. Um, I would never guess I'd have been like yeah. you painted it white. <laughs> no, 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 no. With some interior help uh, design uh, work from my girlfriend um, N- um, Nadira. So that was really cool. I so. mean, like this is like small, small, but it, but it's so crazy how you've made it work. Like I literally saw a dude rapping with with a backup <laughs> band, and the room was full. Like it was so sick. I was just like, 
Like if you'd have asked me that, if you if you'd have told me about that like a month ago, I'm like, there's no fucking way that place can do it. Hey yo, it was crazy. How many people was in here? Like it had to be like twenty. Yeah, twenty. It, it was twenty, but it feels way more packed and intimate when it's like that. Yo, it was a person playing the guitar right here and the, the keyboard. Car. His back's against yeah. the wall. The keyboard. It's a drummer. Yeah, we had over there. A drummer, a live drummer, doing like this, and it was the rapper right there, going in, and all this was people kind of cheering him on. His yeah, fans, his fans, and it was a dope show. Yeah, it was a cool album release party. It was dope. It was sick. So, um, so long story short, it's like the space has emerged from a from a men's boutique to a boutique for emerging artists of all disciplines. Ah, uh, yeah. It, it kind of seems like at some point you you almost had to just let it be what it wanted to be. Like you couldn't really fight it at that point because in this whole space for fashion, I think the most I've ever seen was you have a rack back there. <laughs> even right now, it's really not that full because I like, just had something. Yeah. But like I'll say, a nicely curated rack yeah. back there and. That's it. And the rest is just art. Yeah, yeah. I I have a friend of mine, uh, Eric. Uh, he told me, he was like, he's like, yo, you're not a clothing boutique, though. I was like, yes, I am. I, I used to fight him. Doesn't that yes, suck? I, yes, I am. Yes, I am. It is the boutique. It is a business boutique. He's like, dog, I'm trying to tell you, you are now a gallery. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not a gallery. I'm not that. He's like, Amir, like, just you, you are a gallery. But it, it's weird. <laughs> you can't call it a gallery because, like, the traditional sense of a gallery is white walls. Giant white space, very sterile. Feels like a doctor's office. You know, like you feel like you can't really interact. Like you have to kind of hush and be like, "Yeah, Yeah. looks really good." And then you look at the price tag and you go, "I could never fucking afford that." And then they kick you out at six p.m. But, (laughs) but like something like this, this is like grassroots. It's in the streets. It's underground. It's it's underground. It's DIY. We're literally underground, halfway (laughs) besides these windows. I, I mean, but it's. He said we're literally underground. It, it, it's it's like the art world is reclaiming the gallery space and making it whatever it needs to be. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's crazy how culture is kind of shifting like yeah. that where you I almost feel like these days you don't need that gallery backing or you don't need that gallery sort of like validation. All you need is just a following online, maybe to meet someone like you or just another space, some way to hang your art up and you know, you can have a thing because just off of Instagram, if you have I don't know, 500,000 followers, mm-hmm. your friends, mm-hmm. your family. Like, mm-hmm. That's a whole exhibition. That's all it is. And and I consider myself, you know, in baseball, you got the 1A, double A, triple A, major leagues. I consider myself the 1A. I want you to come here and I want you to test your theory and I want you to be able to get the confidence of those who have ever had a first-time exhibition, solo exhibition to come in here and say, all right, so if you go to a gallery and you bring 30, you get 30 people in the gallery, it's not gonna feel. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have that feeling. It's of, gonna feel empty. It's gonna feel empty. You bring thirty people here. You be like, yo, it's a great show. Yeah, you got man. people in the hallways. Yeah, yeah. You got people in here. You right. can't really fit. Right. You're like, man. That's like it's like a psychological thing. Yeah. yeah, it's building someone's confidence. Instead of you going out there on your first go around saying, man, I didn't really know what I was doing. Da, da, da. And it, and the word gets out where you lose your confidence and also the people who are who are giving you that gallery space, they're probably charging you out the out the yin-yang. That's the biggest thing is finding space for an exhibition. Like, I'm in process of it now. It's mm-hmm. so expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so expensive. And the thing is, like, you don't even need it for a week. I feel like a gallery exhibition has now become a pop-up. Ooh. I, that's, that's, like, how I've seen it happen is it's now a weekend pop-up where the party is very important, where if you don't have a pop-up party and you don't get content from that party, oof, you the, know? The, the opening day... 
the the opening gallery is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and I've noticed that. Opening, why is that? Why clothes, is that? Why why is, it's like an event now? It's not even a art show. It's more of an event. It's an event. It's an event. It is fine too. I totally dig I it. I love it. Yeah, I, I love, it. love the opening of the. I think it's really cool, and I love the way that that one thing I like what's going on now with you know the Instagram and people like that. We've been able to make things. Uh, more so an event. Mm-hmm. Now, when you had open exhibitions before, Gallery, yeah, they were events, but you know they were for invite only or very, very hoardy-torty type of crowd, and everybody got their little wine glasses and such a DC thing. Yeah, I feel such, like. such a DC thing. But now it's like this space right here is like, man, it, it, when you have an opening exhibition, it brings in the not only it brings in the family of the people who are doing the work, their friends. And brings in people that they never even knew even liked their work. Someone who just saw the post Someone online. Someone who just saw the post. And they're coming for that particular day. And also, it just it just makes you feel like, oh, I've accomplished it because you worked so hard for X amount of time. And now it's like, this is it. Take mm-hmm. it or leave it. Well, in, in a way, it's 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 like when, when the people show up, then you feel validated, which mm-hmm. is weird. It's weird to even talk about validation as artists, but in a weird way, you need it. You yeah, want you it. You, you have to have it in some sense yeah. to feel like your art is worth something. Even the even the riches of the rich. Yeah. Even, I don't care if you make a billion dollars doing if you a Wall Street trader and now you become an artist. If you don't sell, if you don't get anybody to come to your show, you're like, damn, man, like that shit ain't good. Shit. Like, damn, like, what am I doing? This shit ain't good, man. I'm gonna go back to Wall Street and shit. This shit ain't popping. And it, and it kind of, you know, and sometimes you know people do have to go back to the lab and. In, in a lot of ways, man, I think that now is the best time ever to be alive as a creative and as an artist. Why do you, why do you think that? hundred percent because of social media, because the fact that now you don't need a gallery to put you on, you don't need anyone else to put you on. You can sit and talk into your phone and build your brand and interact with people and DM people personally, tell them come out. You don't got to go knock on their door or put up flyers. I mean, it's nice if you put up flyers, but like. You can do this all on your all on your own, and then make the sale online. Have the event. It's yep. it's 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 crazy how how just things have changed even in my twenty eight years of life, dude. Man, I it it's 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 amazing how things have changed and how people are are connecting with artists all over. Like this artist Marley, um, he sells work in Japan, in what? Hong Kong, in Paris. What? It's crazy. And then to see it online. That's not a small artist, man. What are you talking about? Mm-mm. He's a basic artist, but when he tells me what he's what he, who's he selling it to, yeah. I'm like, are you serious? He's yeah. like, yeah, man, it's so loud. It's person click it. Now I'm taking it to, to, to the post office to give it to him. I'm like, you go, boy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, what's up. Yeah, you go, man. Like, so yeah, man, like, like Ohm is definitely uh it hasn't evolved, but I think that. Is emerged, mm. you know what I mean? Like, like, like emerged in for what it is, or emerged on the scene. Emerged, emerged as both. Yeah. Like to be honest with you, I don't really say this too much, but since I've been interviewed, people don't really ask me too many questions about it. I mean, I had these conversations. Like a lot of the the things you see going on now, as far as with people wanting to support DC artists and have DC this and that, that came from my, that came from me. They came for me. They ah, came, they, came they came in my space and they saw what I was doing. Honestly, they came, I've seen it. They came in my space, they saw what I was doing, and now they want to copy it. 
That's fine because who would not want to have more DC artists doing their thing? I shouldn't be the one stop shop for it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I shouldn't be that. And by they, you mean like people in politics and local government and stuff like that. Yes, yes, yes. So, well, you also present it very well. Mm. You know, I, I'm not gonna lie. You present it in a very approachable, uh, not clean, but in, in a it's it doesn't feel unprofessional, but it mm-hmm. doesn't feel ex- exceptionally professional. It's it's you don't walk in and you go, ugh, bunch of dirty artists. Because I've seen that, and, then, and you're just <laughs> like, like smells like petroleum bo in here. Like like, but that's not what this is. Like sure it's DIY, but you present it in a very like nice fashion, dude. Mm-hmm. So so I, I can see how they could come here and be inspired and want to be like, yeah, let's let's help the DC artists. Let's make some housing or some initiatives or give some grants and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I love that, but. You gotta give. You gotta, as they as they said in rap, respect the architect. <laughs> respect the architect, you know. Um, and people do respect it, you know. I'm not saying they don't, but I, you know, the the artists are the ones who should get the most praise here, not myself, because without them, I wouldn't be doing this, you know. With the quality of artists that have either such as people, um, such as uh, I keep referring to Anthony over here. He's quiet, but. Anthony rec- recommended an, an artist to me because mm-hmm. Anthony's pretty much a lot on the scene when it comes to the creative scene in DC, Richmond, Baltimore, all over the all over the world. I'm just gonna say that LA, everywhere. And he brought this artist named Diego, super talented artist, one of the most hot hot up and coming artists that you want to know. And what he did was what a lot of artists are doing now is they're becoming triple threats. What does that mean? A triple threat is... Or in what sense of this? Tri- okay, in a sense of they have their art on the wall, but they also have their merch that they're selling, mm. and they also have their following, which is a loyal following. Ah. So you got to have those three now. You, art on the wall. Art. Merchandise. Merchandise. And a following. And a following. And what about those makes you a triple threat? Because if you're selling a piece of art for, let's say, $1,000... And, you know, the people in here that come to buy art, yes, some have bought art for a thousand, but my price points start from about 50 to about a thousand. Yeah. So if you're coming in here, you say, damn, I, that piece is dope. I can't afford it. But you go over here to the rack and you see, and you still want to support that artist because you're a follower of his and you want to support him. You see a, a t-shirt for 30 bucks. I couldn't agree more. For 25 bucks. He'd be like, let me, let me go in and get that. A sticker for two bucks. A sticker, anything to support the artist. And the artist doesn't feel like he wasted his time either. Because mm. no, he didn't sell that $1,000 piece, but he sold that whole damn uh, merchandise of um, uh, clothing or those stickers. So now he's like, okay, cool. What can I do different the next time to have the pieces sold? And the merch. So it makes them go back to the lab. You're testing. You're so what, what about the followers, though? The followers are the ones who are going to support. The mom, the dads, the best friends, the, the people who you reach out to on DMs, the influencers. Those are the ones who are going to tweet about you, repost about you, and now you got add even more people than when you started with. So the next time you do something, those are going to be the next people that are going to support you. It's like a... Um, like a, it's like a, uh, like a snowball a going snowball. down a hill. Exactly. You got it. So that's the way it works. I 100% agree with that because I've had an exhibition where I didn't have any merch or small items. Mm-hmm. So you only sell very little actual frames. But people wanted, there were a lot of people there and they all wanted to support me. Looking back in hindsight, I should have had some shirts. I should have had some smaller prints, prints. that were cheap. Yes. For 20 or $20 yep. less. I should have, you know, like, like 
now planning my next one, that's, if anything, I'm more focused on that because I almost know that my art's not going to sell, but for some reason people want to buy a t-shirt or a yep. tote bag or, yep. or a limited edition this or limited yeah. edition that even. So it's even like the consumer has changed. The now. consumer has changed. And if you don't catch on with that consumer psychology, you know, you're going to be, I hate to say it, a starving artist for, for, for people. If that's your full-time thing and you, you know, going out there doing that, um, and I have a lot of people who come in who, who have nine to five jobs um, that are traditional that are that want to take the leap of faith and becoming artists. And a lot of them have done that from here. They're like, you know what? Really? I got so much confidence here. I'm going to I'm trying to make this a full time thing now. Wow. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. It's and, and then they amazing. realize how hard it is when, when they realize like, oh, wow, I actually have to produce every day and build connections with people yeah. and, and to actually be a good human fucking being for once because if you piss everyone off no one's coming to your art show nope and no one's gonna nope. retweet your story yep. or you not no one yep. gonna do this stuff this is not the this is not the, the days of the reclusive artists that's interesting i thought about that you you almost can't be a reclusive artist these days no, you you're, can't. you're gonna be a starving artist and die in the corner i feel like <laughs> right you, you can't you you literally can't be that artist who is just I'm all about the art. I don't care if anyone sees yeah. it. And then, you know what? I know those people and they don't sell shit, but they're amazing artists. They're probably dope as shit too. They are so dope. <laughs> but they just don't sell anything. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you just, you, you have to these days. And what, and what do they tell you? They, they always say something along the lines of they don't feel comfortable or they feel like they don't want to, or they don't like, why do I need to? They'll come to me. Like it's, it's usually like an attitude that like, it'll happen when it happens. Some like universal belief or, or it's very altruistic and, and hippie inspired, but my business and marketing self just wants to, wants to shake, grab them by the damn head and be like, you are an idiot. Like, because you're, you're your own business. Damn. That's a great point right there. You are your own business when you are an artist. Mm -hmm. You are, you know what I'm saying? And people don't, I don't know if they don't take it. I don't know if they, and that's another thing that I want to get into as time goes on, I want to be able to have different people in the creative scene and have talks and little seminars in here or not or speeches, almost like TED talks in a sense where they're telling them the business. Mm. They're telling them how to yeah. do it. It don't need to be big. It could be five or six people in here and it's some dope, some dope creative, such as yourself or somebody who, who knows the business of what it is you have to do to sell yourself. And your work. How to go from your basement to, I don't know, selling some things from your basement. I don't want to say to an apartment, but at least to getting the ball moving. Yeah, getting the ball moving. And I think a lot of artists don't know the business. It's like it's like rappers or any type of musician or whatever. They know how to play the hell out of that. Or they know how to rap their ass off. But in front of uh, you ask them, well, well, why did you do that? Why did you? Oh, man, I'm just concentrating on my work, which they should be. But you can't. Do that you need the yin and the yang. You yeah. got to be rapping, and then you got to be going to the local shows. Yep. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's just so crazy. I mean, you probably see a lot of that. The whole starving artist, like I see archetype. Very, and I, I see the starving artist. I see the arrogant artist. Mm -hmm. I see the artist who ne has never shown his work until he came here and was. What kind of artist do you feel like is the most successful? Oh. Hmm. Like, is there like a certain kind of artist that you've seen come through here that just really blew up or an artist that just had the right traits to really be marketable or something like that? Like, is, is I think Diego is one of them. Okay. What was it about him? Because he, because he, 
one, he produces like crazy. He's always putting out he's stuff. He's always putting out stuff. He's always on social media, but he's always coming out with new, new pieces all the time. And in, and in the rate that he's doing it, yes, it's a lot, but he's not flooding the market, but he's letting himself be a presence in it. And he's coming with that merchandise, which is super dope. So I would say that type of abstract, um, almost grungy type of I don't care, um, pop art mm. is what's going on. Okay. You know what I mean? Marley definitely. Marley's a little bit more. He's he's already established. Well, Marley's established. Well, Mar- Marley Marley is an interesting niche. Like looking at it, it's it's very pop art because it, it's things people f- can feel nostalgic about. Which I feel like as an artist, if if you had to sell your soul a little bit to make some money, then just make something that has nostalgia in it. It almost feels like. Yeah. Right? In a weird way, it makes sense slightly nostalgic to someone who's a slightly older to you and they're probably gonna buy it. Uh, for the funny thing you funny funny thing about it is the name of the show was Saturday Nostalgia. <laughs> there we go. He knows what he's doing, he's playing to his audience. Yeah. And then he posts that online, and I bet it goes crazy online. It goes crazy online, and the thing is that um his art, even though you're seeing this, you're thinking, you're thinking of, you know, Deputy Doodog or the Smurfs or uh, Mighty Mouse or whatever it is. But it's if you really ask him his story, it's about a lot of different. It's about nostalgia. It's about love. Mm. It's about you know childhood. It's about a lot of things that he's putting into it. But he's presenting it to you in this way that's fun and and very just colorful and. Boom in your in your face, so, but it has a lot of purpose to it. But, but he's he's that guy you kind of look at like, okay, he's got it down. He's got the, it down. The, the whole triple oh, threat, got, like, oh, he, oh, he got like, it down. He, <laughs> he's 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 putting himself out there. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah, totally, totally. Um, so those are the type of artists that I know. Those that have put themselves out there. Ask your question. Those who put themselves out there, and those who know their audience. Mm, that's very. That's smart. the kind of art that's going to sell. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is, what type of artist, but. That's the kind of you have to put yourself out. You got to be true to what you're putting out too. If you don't feel good about it, why should I feel good about it? Yeah, if you're like, ah, oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's, like, it's all right. You better say this shit is hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Everyone should have like a rapper mentality and be like, I'm, have- I'm better than you, or I'm the best, and blah blah blah. And you can, you can do well too, but we can both do well. But I think my shit's the best. Yo, that's a great point that you make. You have to have. It's amazing what hip hop has done in the world. That's an influence. I'm using it as an example, right? It's crazy. That is an influence of that bravado that I'm fresher than you. I'm, and not in a malicious way, of course, no. but in a competitive way. It's a, Rap is a competitive sport. Competitive self-promotion in a Compe- weird way. Damn. Competitive self-promotion in art is the same thing. Yeah. 100%. You could, you could, you could, I think what, what more artists need to start doing is form groups like the Wu-Tang Clan. Be collectives. Mm. You go in there all at once kicking down doors, it's a problem. Yeah. And now you break off and y'all do that thing. You got to come in with a force. Just kick that shit down with about 10 people. Just it would, go hard. It, it would be a lot easier to keep doing group shows and events under yes. one whole thing and then get known individually yes. and then branch off and, you know, kind of disassemble the Megazord. And, and then, but, but then people know you because all of you guys came together exactly. to produce it. That that's what sense. I think artists should start doing. They got to start coming together as teams. That, that's really oh, interesting. Super groups. Because then maybe, because then maybe as a team, they can kind of help each other's weakness. You know, one guy might be better at the design of the show. One guy might be better at, might be better at the promotion. But they all kind of operate under the same umbrella. Yep, yep. I think I think they should start thinking along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the way that if if artists now 
because space is at a at a premium and and you know you know there is so much out there i think to come together would be a lot better than people trying to do their own thing i mean of course you have to do your own thing to start but, but dude to- space space to operate out of is is really difficult and hard to come by especially if you're a full-time artist to even pay for that and to pay for rent and pay for everything it's it's really rough like man, you got to start really thinking man I, the funny part about it is if i didn't get this space the next space the place i was going to put my put my shop was going to be um in the hex warehouse i was going to get a studio apartment and I was going to have Ivy City, the Heck Warehouse. Yeah, there. I was going to get a studio apartment there, and I was going to make my boutique inside the studio apartment. You, it was like at all costs you're gonna you're gonna make it. Yeah, happen. no, it was. A, it, it's and I still think that way to this day. In case anything happens in life, I'm like, that's my next plan. I'm not going to stop doing this. I'm not going to stop being that voice in life for these dope artists here in the area. And that's it. It's kind of interesting that you've you're. Maybe I'm seeing it before other people, but you're kind of conscious of it that you are kind of becoming that voice, the underground voice of artist, mm-hmm. in in the, in a way that's presentable to not the underground art scene, right? You know, like someone off their nine to five could probably come here and feel like they were doing something cool <laughs> and tweet about it, and then be like, yeah, or Instagram it. You know, it, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That that is true. I it's- mean, you, you, who who knows what this might become? I mean, do you want to see this become like some? crazy big platform i mean like what what do you envision with this thing because i i don't know man like i i do know i mean i say i don't know i do know because it, as you see now i'm trying to i'm making a branding for ohm so everything you see now says ohm in front of it uh just yesterday with your help of uh chris uh pirate and pbr um we we're doing this thing called hey, cheers, ohm. By the way. cheers cheers to uh ohm and um it's this new series that I have called Ohm in Ohm in Music or Ohm Plus Music, whatever one you want to say, it's fine. And that's pretty much the. And I'll give a shout out to Boiler Room. It's the Boiler Room of DC. Ooh, where, that's sick. Mm-hmm, where these, where and our first show was yesterday. Where uh, the DJ's name is Hipster Woods. Uh, he performed in here. We had about 10, 11 people. Some people was chilling in the seats. Some people were doing a little two step here yeah. and there. And, Others, you know, and and whatever you want to do, I guess. And it's a, and it was a place where he could just play whatever he wanted to for his crowd. Mm. He didn't feel no pressure. He's not. He's not at he's a, a club. He's a right there. He's a yeah, he, he, he's not at a club having to worry about are people on the dance floor. Right. Is anyone going to groove to this? Right. Like, I gotta. I gotta play that Migos. Yeah. And shout out to Migos, man. I yeah, love y'all, but, man. But, but that's a weird pressure <laughs> that you don't have to deal with something like you. You can play the weirdest off the cuff yeah. thing, and and yeah. it might vibe with people. Yeah, exactly. But um, so now what I'm trying to do is. I'm, I want Ohm in front of everything. I have a thing called Ohm, Ohm Music. I have a thing called Ohm and Booze, you know, which is another platform where I have these events, which are um, two day, uh, every other month, where it's really combining fashion. Mm-hmm. So I have select pieces from a lot of DC local designers, and we have drinks. We make a special drink. I got a, uh, I got my last one was with Grand Katata. They made a special drink for me, and we drink and. We have a DJ over here, and it's. It seems like you're doing a lot of partnerships. That's the only way you're going to make it. It kind of seems like that's like the the, the sauce to maybe take it to the next level. Yeah, I see. I would love for Ohm to be a a platform all around the world for emerging um, artists, but in in emerging uh, countries mm. and cities. So, say for instance, I say, um, you say, I say. And this is just going to be a example. I say um, I want to open our own 
in uh, Morocco. Jeez. Okay, so people say, well, where in Morocco? Casablanca, Marrakesh, Fez. I want the emerging spot. I don't want to go to the to. Oh, let me give you a better example. If I said I want to open a home in Paris. Yeah. I don't want to go to Paris. I want to go to Lyon. I want to go to Nantes. Mm, I want to go to Marseille. Okay. I want to be in the emerging scene of where the artist has been taken for granted or doesn't have that voice that's as powerful as that Paris. I want to be in that mix mm-hmm. with the dopest of the dopest of that place is coming from. You know what I mean? So that's what I see home as getting into these little pockets of community. But what are you going to do if it becomes mainstream? Like, what are you going to do if, 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 all of a sudden, Ohm is cool. Like, it's like the cool, not that it's not cool, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's generally, it it's like cool. supreme. Yeah. Or, or like, or like, it's cool. Like, in a few years in DC, like all of a sudden, like, if you're not going to the Ohm event, you're almost, you know, you're, you're, what are you, what the hell are you doing kind Damn. of a thing? You know, like, what, what are you, what are you going to do then? Well, the beauty of the spaces that I'm going to have, they're still small. It's true. So, I could put so many I, people in. Yeah, I can only get so many people in. So, you still want to get that experience. Whether you get it on January 1st or you get it on December 31st of the end of the year, you're going to try to make it in here one way or another, but you're not going to be able to get in here all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, kind of switching gears a little bit. You, you were mentioning that like you are kind of like helping be in the conduit that you've noticed like that gets that has been helping the art scene in D.C. And you literally are doing it, whether it's influence politicians or doing this. What is your opinion of just the DC art scene? Like, what is this current state of it right now? I mean, I, again, when I first started, I didn't know any of the artists. I didn't know any, I wasn't, I went to galleries on my own and stuff like that, just trying to learn art on my own. And I know, I think the DC art scene right now is better than ever. Hmm. I think it's some talented, talented people out here. And social media is definitely to thank for that in this area. Because I've seen some stuff, you're like, damn, that is sick. And you reach it out to these people, and you're like, where are you doing your art? Oh, in my house. Or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yo, are you serious? I have, I've had, a, I have, I've had a, a, a group show here and there. Like, yo, this, this has to be seen. You have to show this. A shocking amount of people, I feel like, in D.C. have good jobs, though. They might, they might make dope art, and they have money to supply, but they're they still are part-time at it. It's yeah. like a hobby. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hobby. But the, the, I think the scene now, it's growing, man. It's yeah. so cool. It's so cool because you, gentrification can, can go a couple ways or people coming into different places a couple ways. I think with, with the gentrification of DC, I think what's happened is that the DC artists is taking more so of a voice. They're mm-hmm. so like you ever heard that? I'm mad as hell. I'm not gonna take it anymore. They're expressing themselves through their through their art, and more people are coming out of the woodwork. Especially some a lot of more younger artists, 16, 17, 18, and up to about 28, 29, 30 years old, coming out saying, you know what? I've I'm in DC. I've lived here. You know, I want to be heard. I want to be seen. And you're not just going to come here and, and have someone from, let's just say, Montana get an opening exhibition and forget about what, what we've been doing here. And it mm-hmm. speaks because a lot of the art here has some political con- con- connotation to it. How can it not? Or in it, and that's so cool, especially in this time now. Mm-hmm. 
You know, even if it's pop or even if it's goofy, it's, it's still putting a little bit of that politics in there for you. It's always in there. It's always in here, and we can't help that being in D.C. Yeah, but you, you take a drive down the road, you're looking at the Capitol. Isn't that crazy? Like, We're in the most central part of D.C. Literally. The most central part. This is where, this is how it starts, right here. It's interesting. It through, it's interesting that you, I love that you made a correlation to a positive thing about gentrification. Like, yeah. it, it, it doesn't have to be all bad. It doesn't have to be all bad because you have to you have to you have to change you have to change your you have to change your perspective on it. I've always seen it as a culture shift. It I, can I, be. I, I, I personally have never tried to tie it to race, but I've always tried to tie it to um, just because I get sticky for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a white guy. I'm not from DC. I don't know, but I, I just see it as as a change in culture, and it's you may not like the change in culture, but it's changing, and I guess that's like a crazy positive aspect that's come out of. Whatever's happening, like the fact that DC is going to be nothing but designer apartments in but, a year. Like. But do you think is is it culture and resources? Because because when the culture changes, some of the resources change. In what in what do you mean? Like resources, like funding, and exactly like, funding for schools, police being on deck, trash being picked up, all types of things that we don't that we go to other areas in that we're like, well, well, why does this area look like this? Yes, yeah, it's a situation where you. F up your own neighborhood by throwing a piece of Eminem thing on the ground when a trash kid like there. That's pretty stupid. But also, there's a situation where there isn't uh, enough police presence at 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 night. There's not a there's not a uh, a litter pickup crew or things of that nature. And the resource or the school is not as good, you know. And then once the gentrification comes, the resources randomly comes to that school so now they have everything that they need the streets are cleaner yeah the, the schools cleaner. the schools have bigger budgets right the police are now waving at you yeah the police <laughs> like what's up man it's, you guys are in that studio all right see you guys pretty cool <laughs> right you know what I'm saying so it's like the culture changed but also the resources changed too. yeah so you gotta just think about it it's interesting but it, it's weird but no one moves to DC for art though hell no if you move to DC for art you need to, you, need to, you, you better you better be the dopest artist <laughs> They, they all go to LA or New York. LA, New at York. The end, at the end of the day, Austin it's like, now too, I think. Yeah, I heard Texas has a crazy scene right now. I've never been to Texas, but I heard it's like though. I've been like once, so I wouldn't know. But <laughs> apparently, like Austin is popping. Okay. No idea. Oh, what what up part of Texas did you go to? Dude, I was like twelve years old. I just remember, <laughs> I, I I don't even know. It was like my dad's like wife at the time. I just remember it being so goddamn hot. Like it was unbearably hot. I was, and it was dry and I was just like, I don't ever want to be here. But you know what I do remember from that time is I got my first ever CD and it was Eiffel 65. If you remember who that was. Who the hell is that? They had that song on blue. I'm blue. Da boo-dee, da boo-dee. Oh, da boo-dee, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first CD ever. And I got it in Texas. That's probably the only reason I remember Texas. Oh, I, got that, I got that CD there. Dope ass memory, man. Some random shit, right? That's art, though. It, it, it is art. You know what I'm saying? That was actually the first breakout dance song in America. Like the first really? American EDM song to oh, like, okay, ever okay. pop was, was blue. Dope. You still, do you still have it? <sighs> Maybe somewhere deep down in like a box somewhere. You gotta find that, man. You gotta find that and blast that. Yeah, I got no idea, man. I got no idea. Do you still have a CD player? Yeah. Like I'm talking about, well, you you got you got one in your car, but do you yeah. have one like in your home? Ooh, it's like a it's like a an, an extension of my MacBook that I can okay. that you unplug. Okay. But I don't have like an actual boom box gotcha, gotcha. or anything like that. So the so the so the MacBook now you can't put a DVD in there. 
No, no, you have to buy an external hard, like an external disc player that you plug into the USB port. Oh, I never had time for all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, no, it's it's good to see that the the arts in DC is changing, man. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for it. I, I, a lot of people are, at least I've talked to, they feel like something's happening. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it is. They can't put their finger on it, but they feel like something's happening. Something, something's happening, right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's something swelling like there's something going on that you can kind of feel feel in the atmosphere but you can't really contextualize this but you know this has been going on the bubbling has been going on since 2014 really that's when it started to bubble what was it back then it's it's what you just said it's still it's about it's about to be it's about to reach a breaking point Mm -hmm. we're going on five years now it takes five to ten years for someone to become an overnight success it's going to take. <laughs> that's funny. I had to think about that for a second. I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> no, but that's true. That's true. Yeah. People view as overnight success as not an overnight success. Mm. It's actually, yeah, yeah, okay. So DC is about to, it's about to blow. Mm-hmm. It's about to blow. I think 20, I think we still, we're still early in 2019, but I think 2020 is when it's going to go. Oh, everybody from rap to R&B to, to rock. A lot of people say, art. a lot of people say it's like a, the music's going to be the the vessel kind of like the transport to kind of take it there. Almost like Atlanta. Cuz music has more yeah, like music has more I don't know, public visibility or yeah. something. Yeah. I don't know. Now, I re, I uh, I was talking to a guy I forgot who it was, but he's telling me that a lot of these um record labels are now dropping artists in DC to test um and to Give him an underground scene. Like, you know how people thought Drake was from, uh, when he first came out, he was in Texas and all that stuff. And doing his thing there, kind of swallowing up the culture and getting... He didn't really start saying he was from Canada, really, into, I don't know, like, he got kind of big. But they threw him in Texas for a while. And that's what a lot of the record, they're throwing these artists here and having them kind of soak up the energy and get bubbling on this underground scene here. And they're trying to say that they're trying to claim DC, not in a negative way. Because no way. one's really claiming it. No one's really claiming it. So they're, they're- I wouldn't be mad. Like, I'm not mad at that because if someone puts it on the map that besides Wale and Shadow Wale, like, mm-hmm. that's cool too. Mm-hmm. It, it, whether or not they come in and use the culture, that's fine. But maybe because like, there are a lot of venues now. We have the Anthem, which is, cr- which is crazy. Yeah. But they're bringing in some of the biggest acts. Yeah. Like, them coming through, um, I don't know, all these studios that people are moving into, all the events that people are now putting on. All the restaurants. All the restaurants. It's it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's still expensive as shit. It's still New York prices, man. I'm still paying $1,000 for a goddamn room. But like. Damn, God. That makes me cringe and shit. Yeah, man. That has to change, too. It's too expensive to be an artist in DC. It's too. I think they're gonna start making some 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 provisions for serious artists mm-hmm. to be able to live and live and work. Cause you can't call yourself a cosmopolitan city if you don't have an art scene. That's true. You do need arts. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like DC just they slap a mural on something and say we're, we love the arts. <laughs> like they slap a mural and they go, oh look at us, we're cultured. Look at this <laughs> giant mural, guys. <laughs> like you go on North Capitol Street, you're just like, oh murals, wow. <laughs> This is great. <laughs> yeah, wow, Meryl. Right. You'd be like, this, no, that's true. The DC does try to do that. Ah, it's like old DC. It's like old DC. Um, there are a surprising amount of galleries in DC, like actual galleries, mm-hmm. like people that would be like, we're a gallery. There's a lot of them, dude. Like, 
I drove around the city once a lot, one day a lot, and I was just, I was kind of surprised. Where, where were the majority of them now? Up to Northwest, stuff like that? Really nice area, like closer to the monuments and stuff like that. Okay. All the, all the good spots. DuPont Circle. Yeah, DuPont. All, all those places where like rich gay guys would go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this dude's funny. That's shit. a whole thing in D.C. though, man. Hey, yo, rich gay guys spend a lot of money. Yo, hell Shout yeah. out to the rich gay guys, yo. Come to, hey, yo, y'all always welcome at home, yo. It's dope in here, man. Shit. Hell yeah. Me, <laughs> if there's one group of people I want being my fans, it is all the gay guys with money. Right. Right. They, they get paid. Yeah. They, I don't know how the hell they be doing it. <laughs> but they got to, they get paid, though. Yeah. Hell yeah! You're like, what? Why is, put, put, why is Brian driving that Maybach around? Bro, I don't get it. I don't get it. it it's like when they come out, they get a trust fund or something. <laughs> a gay trust fund. There is a gay, there, there's like a gay trust fund. Oh, shit, that's funny as fuck. <laughs> okay, you get $100,000. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, mom... I'm gay. Congratulations, <laughs> honey. Here's here's hundred thousand dollars. Now move to DC and, <laughs> and get a room in Shaw or Petworth or something. Or like Petworth or Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. You'll do just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fucked up, yo. Oh, uh, that was funny. That's 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 that was hilarious. Though. I'm gonna use that for my stand-up comedy bit. That was funny as hell, dog. That was funny. Please use that. Do DC comedy is? I love DC underground comedy. Are you a fan of DC comedy? Uh, I want to get into comedy more, dude. I have become such a huge fan of comedy in DC. There's a huge scene too. It's where, okay. Here, if you're listening, and this goes, to, this is my favorite spot right now, the Big Hunt Club. Um, right, it's it. It looks like a college bar, mm. but underground they have a whole underground bar, and and every and like every day, especially Fridays and Saturdays, they have comedy shows. That's dope. What's a, where is it? It's called Big Hunt Club. It's right there, uh, right up, right, right next to, right in Dupont, okay. right there off Dupont, like that crazy busy street, yeah, 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 yeah. right there. But even if you're broke, you can still go because at eleven thirty they have a late night show that's completely free. Nice. And I've just been going to that, and I'm just like, this is amazing. Are they locals or are they just coming from all over, just testing their stuff out? There are locals who are like regulars there, but then there's also people from like Comedy Central coming through who who are on paid shows, but sometimes they'll just go to the free spot and just do their little bits and do stuff like that. But sometimes they'll just have guests from out of town come in and then it's great. That's dope. That's dope. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's, the, what's the other place you could, you could hit, hit me to? Honestly, I'm that shallow in the comedies right now that that's, been that's, just, a, okay. that's been like my main spot, club, but okay. it's called underground comedies. Like the group that does it, but big hunt is uh, the venue where they do it all. And I, I don't know. Like, I love it, dude. It's it's so sick. That's dope. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, I definitely want to get into the comedy scene too. As far as going to shows, I think that's a that's a lost art. You know what I'm saying? A, a comedians, because now everybody gets super famous off of a off of an Instagram, you know, thing or whatever. I'm not saying that they're not funny, but when you got to do stand up, that's a whole other animal, man. It's even nuts. the best have flopped. It stands from those things where. You can have a good night and a bad night, I feel like. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I only know so much because I listen to Joe Rogan a lot and he's always talking about comedy. So okay, I, okay. I feel like I know a little bit. Right. But even he's talking about how people just bomb sometimes. Bomb, you can have a good night, you can have a bad night. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we, should, we should probably get back to talking about the art, dude. Ah, ah, ah. So what else is going on some with... Wine with over there. Yeah, can I, is it okay if I get some wine? Dude, please, man. Yeah, it, you, you just want to pass it over? Yeah, yeah, pass, yeah. pass the wine over? Because this man's behind a barrier over here. <laughs> oh, the, the thing over there. <laughs> Oh, shoot. He got to... Yes. Uh, oh, no. Uh, 
by my keys. Uh-huh. Low turkey. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Jesus, dude, you've got... Everybody needs to know who Anthony is. He's the man in D.C. He stays, he stays quiet. Thank yeah. you, sir. You, you can say hi to right there in the, in the camera. Just what's up? Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony's chilling in the corner. <laughs> oh, shit, man. <laughs> Fucking on my podcast. Uh, this is pretty cool, man. This is a dope platform that you have, man. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, when you told me about it... Um, I immediately went went on your site and saw all the different uh, um, people that you've had on doing some amazing things in this DC area, and I'm even honored to be a part of it, man. Like, Damn, dude, that you, means a lot. You've had some dope people, and you will continue to have amazing artists who are just going to take this up a level. Which you you asked me about this place where I see it going, where I see it going. Where do you see this podcast going, dude? I mean, I like to go to a, a, a point where I can get some sponsors and get some money. <laughs> no, that, that's shout not the whole point. Shout I do. out to the sponsors. That's not the money. whole point I do it. The, the thing with the podcast is I just navigate it because I mean, I like to talk to people. That's fun too. I love to you hear. I love the. I love to hear how you have done what you've done and how you're going to be doing things. But uh, I just navigate it because it gives me reason to talk to interesting people. Like I, I just. I, I'm talking to you because I met you. I know you. It's, it's people that I'm just somehow loosely connected right, to, right, right. and that's how I navigate it. Right. And, and I try to be very diverse in it, and I'm never, I don't have an agenda or anything like that. I'm not trying to talk about justification every episode, it's just, but that's a real thing that happens in yeah, D.C., yeah. so people want to talk about it. Yeah. You know, it, and that's just how I navigate it. And so wh- where I want it to go, I just want more people to listen at the end of the day. I, I want to be able to have a... Uh, more of a platform so mm-hmm. I can talk to more people who like I want people to know who you are and know what you're doing so maybe at least one person comes to home nice and, and they're like yes I discovered I met Amir he was tight home is really tight mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I discovered some new artists nice you know so it's this weird it sort of is. trickling effect and I'm always trying to be diverse with it mm-hmm. you know I'm always trying to have people of opposite ends of the spectrum I can mm-hmm. talk to someone like you who is from DC mm-hmm. you are literally from DC <laughs> and you are not jaded at all which is great to hear it, it like and you're somehow still a nice dude. But then I, I was talking to someone named Sarah Barnfart the other week, who is like this completely opposite, like, you know, essentially white girl who's like body positive and makes amazing art. And right. she's like a, a Instagram character, like personality in some way. Okay. So I'm just, I'm pulling at all ends with that's it as really far as people cool, I want to talk to. And that's, what, and that's what it's about. You know, you got to give love to the people who are coming as well. You got to, you know, it's like <laughs> this art scene, man, it, it's only going to work to it's only going to support the artists if, if we're able to pull from a lot of different places to get people to notice mm-hmm. the people that here. DC's only but so big. Yes, it's powerful. But I wouldn't want people to just be considered a DC artist. Yeah. I want them to be able to expand and have a name of their own. It's like when um you got the NBA, you got the uh, basketball players who didn't make it in the NBA and then they become like street ball legends. Yeah. You know, I don't want that to happen to, that's awesome and all, and maybe that's what you want to do, but I want people to be known as, you know, by their name when they're enthusiastic. And the other part is that I'm from DC. Mm. You know what I mean? Not that I'm a DC artist. No, I want your name to carry, your name to go first, DC there. And then if you feel like you want to interject and put, Talk, talk about DC and things of that nature. That's fair. But I want to be able for those artists to be able to 
do their own thing and, and like to not have to be tied in with DC and whatever it means, whether it's like political or whatever exactly. that weird sort of agenda might be. Exactly. Yeah. Like, do you think there's like a stigma to being called a DC artist in a way? Oh, or? Cool. I, th- I think it's a stigma, f- a stigma from being called from DC. Really? Yeah. What, what do you think that is? Uh, I just, you know, every, every, every place has its, has its, has its things. You know, people from DC have been known to be a little, you know, uh, some have been known to be a little hoardy torty. Some have been known to be, um, a little forty twenty, a little just different. Mm-hmm. They have their own thing going on, and they don't like people to infiltrate it. Yeah, you can tell from even with the clothing that was going here, the nine nine six, nine nine nine, the 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 New Balance style, the foam posit thing, the you know the slang, the go go music. Mm-hmm. These are all one offs. You know what I'm saying? That you're not going to get everywhere else. It's very DC. It's very DC. Mumbo sauce and, you know, the lingo, and which is great because now what's going on in the world with Instagram is that it's become homogenized. Everything is that cool kid. And matter of fact, I went to um, London a couple weeks ago. The kids in London look like the kids from DC. Isn't that crazy? Why is that? You know what I'm saying? I want to go to London to see London style. I yeah. don't want to go to London to see DC style. It's because you can have like that one DC influencer who's rocking the New Balances and now everyone's rocking yeah, New Balances. Yeah, because they, they saw his page on Instagram. So it's like, you know, DC has always wanted to maintain its individuality, but it always, it, it doesn't, it doesn't want to be considered a New York or LA or something. It wants to be its own thing. Yeah. But it won't. It's, it's, we don't, it's like you don't always want to be like the secondary New York or like the backup <laughs> plan or like the move back or something like that. <laughs> that, that no, but that's, dude, that's a super interesting point, the homogenization of art and culture mm-hmm. and style. Mm-hmm. Do you find, because uh, you, you, I know you pay attention to fashion too. It, of, it, course. of course you do, but like everyone now has the same influences. The same damn Which influence. is nuts. Everyone has the same influence and everyone can see the same post. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy to think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone can see this. Like you have kids in damn Nebraska looking, looking like they from damn Soho in New York. Yeah. Like, they're, they're rocking Supreme too. <laughs> they rocking Supreme in, in like Balenciaga. You're like, wait, why are they rocking that in Nebraska? Because they, they saw it. That's our own style going on. And that kind of is upsetting though because Style isn't able to develop. You can't get your own personal style. You can't. Style has subcultures, man. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all types of different style cultures. You got the skateboard influence. You got the hip hop influence. You got the preppy influence. You got the, the nouveau rich influence. You got the grunge influence. You know what I'm saying? You got, you know, you got all these different influences, but now you don't even have to be a part of that scene to, to be wearing the clothing, which is very. It's, it That's makes me mad. That's interesting. It makes me upset. It's kind of posery, right? It's kind of. It is being like, a poser. You could rock a punk rock jacket that's East Saint Laurent and be like, "You're you look like you're wearing a two hundred dollar DIY punk jacket, but you're not. You just think it looks cool." Not even that. It's when if that person walk is rocking a damn uh, Smiths t shirt. Oh God, the band t shirt. I'm so and glad you, that's over. And you ask them, "Oh, you? Oh, you?" Oh, you like the Smiths? You, you like them? They don't, bro. You're like, oh, I'm just rocking a t-shirt. That is not cool. Yeah. That needs to be stopped. Vintage does that a lot, just because it looks cool. But it needs to be stopped. Somebody needs to go back to like what they did in the 90s, 80s, 
Call him up. Hey, yo, you a poser, man. Make him feel bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just fashion. Like, what if somebody go home and kill themselves? Like, I'm not talking about like beat them up. Just make them make them do some research on what it is to which they're rocking. Well, no, yeah, I think it says a lot because what you wear says a lot about who you are, whether you yes. want to or not. So wearing a shirt for someone you don't actually fuck with is is false advertising. It's kind of like you just thought it looked cool. It's like, bitch, it's like, it doesn't just look cool. Right. It's, it, it means something to someone. Right. If you're going around town wearing a, uh, the girl Kinder, Kinder, Kendall Jenner got in trouble. She was rocking a Tupac Biggie shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you probably know who they are, but do you really, do you really even mess with it like that? Or are you just trying to be cool? Cause now you got an outfit on like it's Halloween. You got your Biggie t-shirt on. You got your your uh, skull cap on and a plaid on, and that's LA culture though. For because she's rocking it, but it's like she's not rocking that because of Dang, that. But it gets it gets so hard to be mad at people for stuff like that because when it's literally being sold to them at like Urban or H and M, just stuff that they have no idea what's on it or what it means, and it's just. Uh... But it's but it's always been sold at these type of places. We had a place called Up Against the Wall here in DC, which is legendary from what yeah. I've heard. Right, and they sold the same thing, the, the trendy stuff, the cool stuff. But people who weren't a part of that culture can be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go rock this, this Nirvana T-shirt. You, you, you just wouldn't dare do it because you would have to have some loyalty to what it's some, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Some type of, like, connection yeah. with what it is you're rocking. Like, I don't know if I could rock a Solbiato shirt. It's funny, yo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Like, I, right. I, I'm that, not gonna, would, that would look weird and shit. Like, so bad. I was like a hard, like a very street heavy DC <laughs> brand. I'm not gonna lie to you. I went to Walmart today. I saw a dude wearing like the Solbiato shirt with like the drawstrings up here and like the sideways Solbiato. That dude looks so pissed off. Like, I wanted to be like, yo, that's Solbiato. He was just like, I'm like, yeah, he looks like the kind of guy that wears Solbiato. Like, like an older guy, you know, right, right, like right, a kind right. of thick dude. Like, I was like, like he looks right. like, like he wears and the Solbiato. Thing is, it's not because you white that you couldn't rock it. It's because that you don't really. That doesn't mean nothing to you. Right, don't mean nothing to you. That's the thing. It has nothing to do with black. It has nothing to do. It's like, are you are you about what it is? Are you representing that brand properly? Like, it's this um like in Japan they're really known for the people who work in their stores. Like, if somebody works in, works in, works in this boutique or worked in like. Yoji Yodomoto at a Y3 shop or something like that. Those people, they know everything about the brand. They are from that culture. They're from the culture because they want to know about it. They're, uh, they're really serious about it. It's not someone who's in there who's just like, I'm getting paid no, 30 an hour. No, no, they're no. Act, they actually care about that. Yep. It doesn't work like that. There, You have to be invested in that brand that, that you're representing. Mm. You know what I mean? That's how it should be, though. That's how it should be. But now it don't matter anymore. Like, <clears throat> kids are rocking. Um, uh, Everyone's rocking. Uh, What's the what's the uh, shoe? Every, shoes everybody's rocking now? <sighs> Everyone still rocks, rocks Jordans, Nikes, SBs, the off-white shoes. Okay, well, those, what are those? Balenciaga ones? shoes. What shoes, oh, are, what, shoes are you, what shoes are you thinking about? I was thinking of... Uh, what do they look like? I don't know. It's like... Um, what's this? I think Anthony got some. Vans. Oh, Anthony, the Vans. <laughs> he got them on? No, but he's, but he's a part of the skateboard. He knows about skateboard culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, can, I know about but I don't wear them, but... That's like some random chick walking down the street, rocking some Vans, and you're like, oh, do you skate? Do you do Nah, I just like it because they cool. You're yeah, like, come on, like, man. Uh, It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's like, damn, man. 
Why? Huh. Yeah. I don't know, man. I no, you gotta protect it's, the it's, culture. It's, it's it's a it's a tough one to just be like you're appropriating my culture. Yes, you are. Whether it's like big deal or fashion wise, but I don't know if I. It, it's hard. Like, I want to be upset. Sometimes I don't want to be upset because I also like the idea that nothing is sacred. The fact that anyone can just do what they want to do, whether or not you know what you think about it i don't know i kind of like that rebel attitude kind of like the same way in comedy i like the fact that you could say some offensive ass shit and you may not even mean it or you know it's it's or it's it's just a joke i don't know it's it's a tough one yeah that's tough it's i I think it's i don't know I, i really don't know what it depends on i mean it's tough because some of the kids who are growing up you don't they don't know about previous history some of them do the research and they do know and you don't want to get on them the ones that do know and you coming at them because they're young that's not cool because mm-hmm. i like when i was 18 19 years old i like um james brown and i like older older artists you know i wouldn't want anybody just be, to label me just as a uh that i could only listen to hip-hop music because i'm younger and why are you going back listening to old music you know what i'm saying why are you listening to that? It would make me feel like, damn, then fuck it, then I ain't gonna listen to it. Then you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you don't appreciate that I'm trying to trying to show my support for what it is that that you were doing, or excuse me, what it is those artists are doing, and I'm not gonna even rock with it then. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it is it is a it is a tough one. I think I think people now just want some just some recognition. Just you know, if you're gonna rock certain things, just. Just have some, just have a little bit of brief knowledge. Know, know what it is, yeah, like just, know what it, where it came from, yeah, or there's something just, about it. Just a little bit. You don't need to know like the background. Just, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's all. I think that's what people want. They just want to see that you did a little bit of research. That's all. Mm-hmm. And then that, and then that could be alleviated. I think so. <laughs> I think so, man. Word, dude. I'm, I'm trying to think of what else. Is there anything else we haven't covered about home? About you, man? Like um, what? What? What's some. What's what's something going on? I I don't I don't I feel like we something we got to get out. Oh man, I mean, you know, just shit, man. Like uh, just the different shows that I have going on here. I now have a, a permanent installation piece by Adam Hughes, and I'm working to get more permanent installation pieces to make this uh kind of like a gallery gallery where you kind of work the artist is working around the work that is permanent mm, and that is that's interesting. Yeah, because because a real gallery, a real a real Gallery has those permanent dope ass installations. And really? Yeah, like you go anywhere, it's a permanent installation there of just random stuff. It could be a video, it could be lights, it could be anything, but it fits to the to the space. Mm, you know? Okay, okay. You know what I mean? So that could always fit with pieces around it or whatever. You could work around that. You could even put in your own damn DVD but and yeah, play it's, it. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like the style of the home, I guess. Like it's it's the aesthetic and you work around that yeah and it's very freaking instagrammable i don't know man those 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 sounds are kind of messing with me dude i'm like is there a freaking oh, just squirrel imagine oh imagine being here by yourself at 10 o'clock at night after <laughs> after drinking a whole damn bottle of wine <laughs> imagine imagine how that feels you're like oh shit you're like oh god damn <laughs> like, yo i saw a rat outside the other day the rat was dead at the store right there, someone put pants on the rat. They put like jeans on it. <laughs> what the fuck? Shit was crazy as hell, though. <laughs> I saw I saw a homeless guy the other day just just like straight on his back, just like this. 
And, and no one around him seemed to be bothered. Damn. I was like, is this man real? Someone got to get the man. He's probably a freaking CIA agent, man. It's a lot of those running around the streets. Dude, probably more than you know. Mm-hmm. You know, when they flick on those lights, you're like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Like, yep, yep. Even homeless people are CIA agents. Like, they're not really homeless. They just, yeah, oh, man, it's sick here, man. Yeah, I mean, we are in the nation's capital. We are the nation's. It's capital. kind of weird, crazy thing about that. We're we're literally in like the most important part of the world. That's some sick stuff, isn't it? That's that's weird. We're the most important part of the world, and the art scene is like it needs help. <laughs> it needs some like resuscitations. That's the word. I think you'll do it, man. I think. I think it'll kind of catch on. I think you it know, will too. Maybe less people will leave for New York. Mm. And maybe maybe more people start staying. And I think so. Getting roommates and shit. I don't know. Shit. Everybody I know that's went to New York has brought their ass back to DC. I've noticed that a lot too. <laughs> a lot of people go and come back. <laughs> They'll be like, I'll be like, so what? So what happened? Oh man, I mean, I miss DC. You're like, yo, okay. Mm. New York wasn't what you thought it was, or it, like it was not. It wasn't as easy as you thought because someone told you. To come try it out, you're like, damn, this chain is is nothing like being home. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I guess, man. I mean, I was really feeling the move there a month ago, mm-hmm. but then I looked at everything I had going on, this right. podcast, all my clients, right. all the connections. I was like, damn, can I really do this over again? Like, right. do I really want to? Do I really want to start back at square one and mm-hmm. get a day job? Mm-hmm. Fuck no. Right, right, right. Fuck. After all this, you built here. Yeah. And, and New York is so close. Three hours. You could always go there anytime. You I could always to. go there and try and get some gigs. Exactly. This man got to move there. Doesn't mean you got to move. You can always you can always go anytime you want. Chill out, have a great time, bring your ass back. Do you actually want to hear something kind of funny? I've never told anyone about the whole New York thing. So while I was like, while I was like planning, I was like calling people in New York to like try and figure out like living situations. There's like a lot of houses in Brooklyn where it's just rooms in a house and, and the, the guys just fill them up. You don't know who the fuck your roommate is. You're just a room in a house paying 850 room in a house. Like that's it. Right? Oh my gosh. I remember I called this one guy and he was a true New Yorker. Like this guy was a hard ass. Like he was like, hello. And I was talking to this guy and he's like, and I told him, I was like, Hey, I want to move to New York. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm, I want to look at this spot, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he was like, uh, all right, so do, do you know your credit score or not? And I don't know my credit score, right? I'm, I was just like, uh, no, but I'm pretty sure it's good. And he's like, okay. He was like, he's like, uh, so are you moving down here for a job or something like that? And I was like, uh, no, not really. Uh, I'm a freelance photographer. I was just, uh, I'm going to pay up and make it work. And then just the way he phrased it and just broke me down and just, and just like dissected my whole mission. In this one conversation, I was just like, fuck, he's so right. Like I was like, he he made me feel like a piece of shit. Like it was, it was like a weird humbling experience where he was just like, he made me almost realize like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm. And I was just like, dang, like this random guy I don't know just did that. It was, was it was weird, but I was like, he's, there's some truth to what he's saying. Wow, It was weird. It's like, like I needed that or something, you know, isn't that weird? Nah, that's, that was meant to happen. It was meant to happen, man. It was, it, it was the weirdest experience of my life. Like I got off the phone feeling like, damn, he's right. Mm. Even though he didn't say it, even right. though he didn't say like, "What are you doing?" He was just like, "Okay, like, fuck." Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm, mm. That's that's just crazy experience. That is crazy. I don't know why I remember that. That's dope, though. I don't know, but, but hey, man, I I hope, um, not hope. I I can't wait to see what else is gonna happen here, man. Oh, it's gonna be dope. The man. partnerships, the shows, dude. Mm-hmm. I really hope you you get start making video content with what you do here. I would love to. I don't have a video. <laughs> Man, just 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 put a camera right there. That, just put that. a camera and live stream it to YouTube and then save it and just make it a video. Do like Boiler Room did back in the day, man. All right. Well, there it is. Sue, I'm definitely going to do That'd that. That'd be then. sick. 
Oh, you gotta tell you what kind of camera to get though. Yeah, man, that'd be super simple. You just you just get like a little uh actually I'm trying to think how you would mic up a DJ and do everything like that. There has to be an easy way. Just like a video and an audio feed. That's so simple. Okay. I'm a DJ. All you gotta do is something you can just hit play. Dude, I'll help you out. I'll help All you out. Right, Trust man. me, I'm I'm good at these that, things. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. People gotta see it. People, people gotta to see, see it. it, man. People had to see it. I mean, I do my little fake live streaming, which I'm just sitting there listening to music. <laughs> I just sit there. But do you know what YouTube live streaming is the new wave? Oh, really? Yeah, YouTube and I mean Twitch is for gaming, I think, but like YouTube live streaming is pretty powerful, huh? And and the fact that you're doing all this stuff and you're not documenting it at all is kind of crazy. Like you don't have to edit it. Like wow. for every show, why not just have some kid who's like, hey, hey, man, I want you just to make a video from tonight. Just record, get good footage, make a little video, do whatever you want. Okay, throw it on the YouTube channel. Wow. All of a sudden, you know couple months go by you've got a whole documented record of everything that's happened at home the culture the people Damn. around here of you of how the space is changing mm. and it, then, you, then you have these live sets that you're about to do you just record the live sets that could be some really fun content oh, shit i'm down to do it i'll start it immediately shit shoot i have a, i have a content creator fa shout out fa he's doing all my stuff on on the instagram well, fa needs to step his game up and 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 get his ass off instagram too fa <laughs> FA's a man. FA's a man. <laughs> well, cool, man. If a uh, so if uh, what's coming up and where can people find you? Sure, man. Um, so what's coming up? Uh, I don't know when you're gonna release this podcast. Uh, next week. Next week. Okay, so people are gonna miss the omen, the omen booze thing, which is uh, April six. Okay. Uh, but I do them every other month. So the next one's gonna be in June. Um, and I'll be posting that on Instagram. After that, I have closing night for Marley McFly, Saturday Nostalgia on April 12th. Um, then after that, I have Chris Pirate Show on April 20th and April 21st. Nice. Um, that's going to be dope. And then after that, I have Maps Glover, who's going to be here from uh, April 28th through the month, for, for the entire month. He's going to have a residency here till May 28th. That's going to be an amazing show as well. So uh, you can find that on the events page on OMLLC.com. That's H-O-M-M-E-L-L-C.com. Or you can just go to my Instagram where I'm always um, putting out some dope content at, um, at um, OM, H-O-M-M-E again, underscore D-C. And you can always find some stuff there where we're um, telling you when the events are coming up and things of that nature. So... Yeah, man, some really cool stuff. And we have the Omen music every Tuesday from 8.30 to 9.30. Nice. So, yeah, you definitely have to check that out. Um, and you're going to be really pleased to see what what's coming out of here. Oh, yeah. Is there some sort of, like, calendar you can look at or something? For yes, that? and that's on the web. That's on the website, the okay, Omen website, okay. the H-O-M-M-E-L-L-C website. Go. Just go to the um, events portion of that, and you can see the calendars that's on there. Um Oh, sweet man, much. I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. Yeah, man, it was dope, man. I yeah. wish you best success, and, and, man. And the mobile, the mobile pop up station. That was dope, man. man. That was dope to have it here, though. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I might, I might hit you up again. We'll see because uh, depending on how this next one goes, this podcast might have a new home. Hey, I'm not. Hey, we could do it. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Yeah, we'll chat. We'll chat. All right, all right, guys. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the angle. Peace out. Peace, peace, peace. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was dope, Bruce. Oh yeah. That was dope as hell. That was, yeah, yeah, you're a, you're a fucking natural at that shit, dog. Yeah.